What's up guys, Rick here with something interesting for you today. This is a replay of a recent Twitter space that I did about turning fantasy sports into a business. A lot of you send me messages and are interested in making, whether it's just a little bit of side income or a full-blown career out of fantasy sports. And I've been doing these Twitter spaces, which is just an audio medium on Twitter, of course, where you can interact with everyone who's in the room. I've been doing those over the course of the last month, and this series of spaces have been the most popular. So in this space right here, I'm just going to kind of brain dump a lot of different ideas, uh, concepts, whether it's for barriers of entry, how to start, uh, do's and don'ts, tips and tricks on how to make fantasy sports a business and that can range from an extra hundred bucks a month to a full-blown career a couple of caveats about this episode number one it is audio only there there is no video so if you're watching on youtube you're just gonna see a, you know, a pulsing logo. You're not going to see anything, right? There's no need to, uh, you know, keep the, the window maximized. You can minimize it, go on about your day. Or if you want to download the audio version that is available to you as well. And then of course, um, this is a Twitter space. Again, that is just through my cell phone. It's that's how you attend one of these. And it's just through my AirPods. So the, um, the audio quality will be less than what you're hearing from me right now. And it'll certainly be less than what you would expect, but hopefully it is very valuable information that you find handy. And if you have any questions or topics or things that you would want me to follow up on, please feel free uh, to leave them in the comments below and I will do my best to answer them or create more content around them. But hopefully this helps you in your quest uh, to becoming a content creator or to becoming someone that can rely on fantasy sports and betting for an additional income. It's, I believe, fascinating and valuable. I hope you enjoy. There are so many different ways to get involved in this industry, and I'll try to just really go through as much as I can here. And This might have to be an ongoing series, but I am getting a little bit of help here from the model maniac who has uh, requested to come up. So I'm going to add you as a speaker here. And uh, you're hot. Good, uh, good morning, or I guess good afternoon, depending on where you're located. <laughs> Hi, guys. Thanks. Um, Byron, you're the model maniac. Speaking about your, um, your solo podcast or solo version today, I was wondering what the benefits are between um, maybe doing a solo podcast if you're looking to start one up versus having a, a partner or a teammate. Yeah, Great, great question. Yeah. So I'm, uh, and I appreciate that. I appreciate you hopping on. I'm, I'm historically uh, kind of a solo guy. Um, the idea behind that is when you're working with someone else, uh, now you're working into everybody else's schedules, right? And the vast majority of people are not doing this full time. So like if I was working with someone else, uh, like I could go, you know, two o'clock on a Tuesday. Sure. No problem. But a lot of people have nine to fives or obviously other commitments that they're looking at. So for me, I, I try to be really timely with my content. I try to be quick to market and having to potentially wait on someone else um, is, is a negative for me. Now, the positives of that are uh, when there are when you have a partner or you have a team of people, and this is what we do really good on the First Cut podcast, where we kind of rotate in, you know, four or five different people. Um, not only do you have a bunch of different viewpoints, but you also get access to everybody else's network, right? So if if there's five of us now, there's five of us kind of promoting a, a podcast. Uh, if it's just me, it's just my voice, people that are already following me, people that are already listening to me. So there's really 
kind of different ways. I think when you're starting up, uh, I do think there's a benefit to having somebody, right? Because the, the biggest thing for most people um, is either lack of accountability or getting started doing it for three weeks and wondering why they're not rich yet, wondering why they're not popular yet and giving up. And if you have a partner in that, uh, it might be easier um, or at least it might be harder to give up. It might be easier to not give up and kind of keep you accountable. Does that, does that help? Does that help answer the question? Absolutely. Thank you so much. Cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, all right. Let me keep this rolling here. Uh, Jers is here. Jers, I'm going to bring you up. You are hot. Hey, guys, you hear me? We got you. All right. I, I, Rick, first of all, thank you for uh, all the content you put out. It's awesome. I love what you do. I just wanted to ask, um, what made you take the full switch to just golf? Because I follow a similar model. I do like before you did just golf, I do a lot of sports, a lot of sports uh, content. And what made you, made you take the switch to just golf? Yeah, so I, I appreciate it. I'm going to I'm gonna drop you down here. We got a little wind in the background, but it's a great question. I appreciate you tuning in, and, and thanks for the support. So definitely the scariest – two, two scariest decisions of my life. One is leaving my full-time job, making my side gig uh, my full-time job. That's part one. And then part two scariest is to have a singular focus – especially one that is not uh, a huge moneymaker potentially, or at least in theory and switch to just golf. So for me, there's a couple of things. I trying to do everything, right? I was trying to have data for football and basketball and baseball and golf. And um, I was trying to do it all on the side and it it was just, it was just never going to work. So I decided that I was going to allocate my most valuable resource, which is my time to something that one, I care about the most, uh, the sport of golf, and two, one that I think has a lot of room for growth. So uh, is there a lot more money in football? Absolutely. Is there a lot more money in basketball? Almost certainly, right? But uh, golf is an up-and-coming sport. It is a sport that has um, really even the tour didn't really acknowledge fantasy or gambling uh, until like two years ago. So there's plenty of room for growth. Um, And for me personally – I would have rather have been, you know, the best golf guy. Like when someone thinks about golf and thinks about data or thinks about content or whatever it is, like I want to be on a short list as opposed to being the 100th best football guy. Um, Now, if I could have been the best football guy, maybe that's a path I want to go down. It wasn't necessarily my passion, but um, a a very difficult decision to make. And it kind of goes with a lot of what I tell people all the time is like, find your niche. Right. I tweeted this out the other day. Nosferatu, who's the OWGR, the rankings guy on Twitter, and now Colin Morikawa is shouting him out at press conferences. Like, that's it. He owns it. He owns that niche. It's very small, but he's the guy. Um, and if I have any, have any questions, I go to him. Um, Kevin Roth, I believe is his name, the meteorologist, right, who, who provides uh, weather for fantasy. Like, that's something he's great at. And like, just build out uh, something that you're very passionate at, something that you're willing to continue on the path for and, and see what happens. So that, that's part of the decisions that I went through. Um, I've got egg here connecting to you right now and I'll, I'll bring you up. I think you're hot. And maybe you just have to unmute your mic. Egg hit me. 
All right. We'll try later. Um, thing for me, so I mentioned this before where I get emails about this. Uh, I've been creating content for six weeks and I don't have a million views on YouTube yet, or I don't have 10,000 Twitter followers. Uh, that right there is why most people give up like every single time because no one's following their stuff. I can tell you from at least my personal experience, the first three months I was doing anything. Uh, I know for sure nobody read it. Nobody watched it. Nobody listened to it, but training myself to do it every single day uh, to keep going back to the well, to build the consistency. Like if you do it for two months, you're doing it longer than the vast majority of people. Cause most people want to give up um, much quicker than that. Evan, I am, Oh, I might've just missed your request, Evan. So if you want to come back up, Oh, it says there was an error adding Evan as a guest. So maybe try again. If you want to, if you want to pop up here, the, here we go. I'll bring you up. Ooh sort of bring yourself because you do god you do a lot of shows every week how do you bring to get you know if something is happening either in your personal life or you're just exhausted like how do you bring yourself to still be able to do your full you know your full set of shows for i don't know what tour you know for palmetto or something like that how do you bring yourself to be able to sort of continue to do show after show week after week in what can be, you know, a 10 month, 11 month grind for you. Like, how do you keep the consistency even when you don't always have the energy? You don't always have the sort of something else is going on. That's taking your, that you want to be focusing more of your time on than you can. Yeah. Um, well, first off, uh, thanks. Uh, I mean, the main thing is I love it. Like, like, like I, it's super corny and I did not believe it. Um, when I was working in corporate America where it was like, oh, find something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Like it's super, super corny. Um, and I never believed it, but I, I, I actually do think it's true now because I can get up for the Palmetto Championship because I can get stoked about the Byron Nelson or whatever, right? Like I, I, just, I just love it. Uh, I love what I do. I, I think it is um, – and, and I, have, I have things that kind of allow me to go down different avenues, Evan, like I've got the data website, right? And like, if I'm, if I get tired of doing something there, like I can do content, right? They're like, they're kind of like different disciplines for me. Um, so being able to switch it up, being able to set my own schedule, like, like the reason I do a lot of shows is because I want to do them. I don't have to do that many shows, right? I, I'm, I'm going to set my own schedule. I'm going to um, decide how involved I want to be. This is just how involved I want to be. So it's, it's a lot easier um, when you actually care about it and you actually, you know, love it. Uh, the model maniac, you're up. I'm back again, guys. Sorry. I got lots of questions, Rick. You're, you're a wealth of resources to me, sir. So, um, I, going back to what you were saying about generating a big following, what are your, I know that you don't tend to want to, uh, do giveaways and things like that. Right. But, yeah, what what made you not want to do that and do other things to generate a, like a following on on social media? Yeah, so um, uh, thank you for the question. I think giveaways are giveaways are fine, right? It's they're they're just kind of to me a bit unsustainable. Uh, and and I also throw into the like oh promo codes or sales. Like I don't do those either, right? Like once a year for my website. That's the, like you have to bet me for it, and that's your opportunity. The reason for that, I, I just think I've priced it fairly. 
right? Like the service that I'm offering, I think is valuable. And I think I've priced it fairly. And uh, it doesn't make any sense for me as a small business owner uh, to devalue my own service and to devalue my own business. Like if, if the reason that you're not joining my website is because you're waiting for a 20% off coupon, um, you're not the right fit. Right. And that's fine. Like, I'm not trying to be mass market everybody. And, I, and I've said this countless times. I build my website for what I want to use it for. Uh, and just the fact that so many people enjoy it as much as I do, like, that's crazy to me because I'm just building it for me and I'm hoping you guys like it. Um, I'm trying not to cater to everybody else uh, and offer sales and all that good stuff. And then you know, as far as, as far as growth, like my growth's been very, very organic, right? Like I've never spent a dollar on marketing. Um, you know, the, the dirty little secret and you guys, like I'm, I'm telling you the dirty little secret here is, um, my YouTube channel is a giant ad for my website, right? Is it not? Don't I spend hours every single week, um, showing you my website and the tools on it. And it's a giant ad. Now, the, the good thing is the tools are great and I love them and they're very useful. So it doesn't, it's not really an ad. That's what I would do anyway. But um, that, that's the promotion. And when you utilize YouTube, um, which is the world's second largest search engine, right? And the largest search engine in the world, Google, also owns YouTube. Um, you can really kind of grow organically via search terms, uh, and, and anything else, right? Like if you go in and type anything into Google, uh, some of the first couple of results are going to be YouTube videos. That makes complete sense, right? So, uh, you're kind of getting, getting access to, to everything, uh, right there. So that's kind of how I feel a little bit about growth. The other good thing that I, I think most people don't realize, like the barrier of entry right now, the barrier of entry to either being like, I guess you, well, let's, let me take a step back. Cause you kind of have to decide what you want to do, right? Like, do you want to create content? Okay. Yes, I want to create content. What kind of content do you want to create? Um, if you want to create something like, hey, here are my top, top five picks for the week, and here's who you should bet, that's a topic. To me, that's a bit unsustainable, right? What happens when you inevitably go on cold runs and hot runs, right? It's why I don't give out picks. I don't give out lineups. To me, it's a bit unsustainable. Um, everything I do is very is very data-driven. So, so if you decide what type of content uh, you're going to do, what, what medium are you going to use? Is it going to be YouTube, which I would recommend? Is it going to be a podcast version, which I would also recommend? Realistically, it's hard to find podcasts. It's hard to find new podcasts. Like when is the last time you went into the Apple podcasts and searched for something? Like I can't tell you the last time I did it. All podcasts to me get recommended to me or I find them somewhere else first. So that's why uh, my, my podcasting feed is essentially a straight audio rip of whatever I'm doing on YouTube. Um, and if you're just trying to record a podcast, throw a camera on yourself and put it on YouTube because that is going to allow you to get access to the search engines. And if people find you on YouTube, then they add you to your phone and you're ready to rock and roll. So you, those, those two things, Kind of have to go hand in hand. Um, are you going to do other things? Are you going to have a website that has data on it? Now, that's, that's a larger barrier to entry, right? Because where are you going to get the data from? How are you going to present it? Do you have the skills and talents to be able to accomplish that? I really don't. And I really didn't, right? Like, like I, I'm not a coder. I know just enough to be 
a little bit dangerous. Uh, and I know enough to get data visualizations out there. Like it's, it's like, go back and watch some videos of mine. that are like three and four years old. The tools are, are, are garbage. And I hope that I'm looking back in three and four years and saying the tools that I have now are garbage. Um, now that's a little bit of a bigger barrier to entry, but if you're just trying to create content, um, and we can talk about the different revenue streams as well. Like if you're just trying to create content, the barrier to entry is probably 300 bucks, something like that. I mean, it's, um, it's, uh, it's a, it's a microphone, right? You can get the blue Yeti, you can get the road podcaster, you can get any various, uh, podcasting microphone plugs a USB into your computer, maybe a hundred, 150 bucks, something like that. Uh, the Logitech Brio, very small, compact 4k camera. Uh, that might be another 150, 200 bucks. I don't know what they're going for now. Cause I'm sure Logitech has a couple of new, new products out. Uh, that's basically it. You have no barrier to filming yourself. You have no barrier to putting it on YouTube. You have no barrier. Even if you wanted to start a website, what's your barrier there? WordPress, a domain domain costs 12 bucks a year. Maybe you pay for hosting. It's a hundred bucks a year. Like your barrier to entry is very, very small and your upside uh, is, is quite significant. So I can kind of go into some of the different potential. Um, let me finish that thought before I get to revenue streams or any other questions. If you, you want to hop up and chat, uh, give me a request. I'll, I'll bring you up. The other thing is this. Don't necessarily even have to have good content if you're entertaining, right? So decide what you are. I don't think I'm that entertaining. I don't think that uh, people tune in because they want to hear Rick entertain them. I think they tune in for a data-driven approach, and that's my style. There are a lot of other styles that exist that are pure entertainment, uh, and it's okay if, if, that is, if that is right for you. So that's, that's the way I feel. We can go into revenue streams for a second, but uh, let, me add, let me add Evan here. Uh, the other question, uh, and I, I don't need like a dollar figure, but how much would you say that, you know, your ability to actually like, happens probably, you got, you, I, I, I don't want to say you got lucky, but you owe a decent amount of your sort of initial following from Pat Mayo and going on his show all the time. What would you, what would your best tip be for someone trying to break into the industry in terms of trying to foster good connections, relationships so that you can get the occasional spot, maybe not on his show, but on with, with established players in the industry, which you can then use as a launch point for yourself. Cause that's literally how I found out who you were. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that, um, I, I mean, probably whatever that, that Pat audience is and Pat has obviously fostered a lot of, uh, uh careers over the years. I mean, also first cut, right. I mean, the CBS sports, uh, relationship that I have as well, which is kind of a completely different, uh, niche of people skews a little bit older skills skews a little bit less DFS and, and kind of betting I would imagine, but all very passionate about golf. Um, so for me, uh, you just have to create good content, right? And good, good is very, very subjective, uh, whether it's entertaining, whether it is valuable. Uh, most people only care, uh, as a listener, as a user, if it helps them, right? It, like why do DFS shows, do a lot better than maybe just like storyline shows it's because you're giving people information that they want to be able to use. That's going to be able to help them. So I, for me, all of my opportunities uh, have come from, in my opinion, creating kind of uh, good, uh, good content 
that people are interested in sharing, fostering relationships. Yeah, I mean, listen, once you're in this community and you can reach out to people and you can kind of reciprocate, hey, do you want to come on my show? I'll come on yours. Um, you know, it starts to get a little bit easier from there. Joe, popping on the popping on stage. We got you. You're hot. Am I live? Yeah, hey, buddy. Rick, what's going on, man? Hey, the tables have turned. I get to ask you a question for once. I hate this. I hate being the one to ask questions. <laughs> but no, this is, a, this is a serious good question that I think myself and other people may want to know the answer to. How do you assess evaluation on your content? Like, how do you, like, what is the value of a view? What is the value of a click? If someone were to want to, like, sell your content, how do you value that? in terms of sort of monetizing it? Yeah, good question. Uh, in short, very highly, right? And um, again, I, I, and Joe, you, you, you know this too, right? Like, like I'm trying to build kind of an ecosystem, right? So when, when, my, when my YouTube channel um, increases in audience, uh, my website does as well. When my website increases in audience, uh, my YouTube channel does, my Twitter page does. Like I'm trying to build this, this ecosystem. The Without saying, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know for me what a YouTube view is worth. I could probably figure out what a subscriber is worth, and I could probably figure out how many of my YouTube subscribers are converting to like RickRunGood.com subscribers, and I could probably figure that out. But I think in short, and especially in the last like eighteen months, as and you know this, there's an arms race for content. There's an arms race for adding golf content to other places. When someone asks me, hey um we want to do a show and have you like we want you to host a show uh every single week like i'm gonna ask for a lot of money and i'm not going to really give them access to to my content necessarily because i know that's so so valuable and i can reuse my rick run good content um over and over again so i don't know a real dollar figure joe but like a lot <laughs> i value it very very highly <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I love what you're doing here. Uh, keep up the good work. I'll, I'll keep listening in. Thanks, buddy. All right, brother. Joe's coming on with me tomorrow night. We are going to uh, do a Twitter space tomorrow night. So looking very much looking forward uh, to having Joe for the fourth of four. Yeah, baby. Um, I want to talk about revenue streams for a bit and uh, because that can kind of go along with this, this value conversation as well. And if there's any other questions or comments or concerns, feel free to pop up and we'll, we'll chat about them. But uh we're living in a world, 2022, like to be an online creator has never been so good. The different ways that you can make money. Um, I mean, candidly, the vast majority of my income is through rickrungood.com. That's a data website, a subscription-based data website. Is that, is that logical and viable for everyone? Probably not, but that's okay. Um, how else can you make money? Uh, your YouTube channel via ads can make money. Uh, Patreon, right? That is a premium kind of subscription service where people can pay you X dollars a month and get access to more or exclusive content, right? Barrier to entry there. Also very, very small. Um, sponsorships. I try to stay away from sponsorships just because like, like one-off sponsorships, whatever, it's fine. Um, but I try to focus more on things that I really want to be partners with. Like trying to think about what the quote-unquote sponsorships are for me, jock market. But I don't even want to call them a sponsor because it, it really is a partnership, right? It's just 
we, we go back and forth. I've, I've got their ear, they've got our ear kind of on the product. And it's something that, that I, um, that I truly believe in. Um, could you sell your content, right? Could your content be put on a streaming network? Yeah, that's certainly an option. I, I mean, there's just, there's so many different ways that you can really find, um, to make money in in 2021 and a lot of it can just be okay i mean i'll tell you this even if you couldn't do a data website the original version of rickrungood.com when it was dfsondemand.com was access to google sheets literally what it was and people were paying for that and it was valuable information that they couldn't find um but that was my skill level that i was able to really hone in on and feel comfortable with deploying on a, on a weekly basis. And, and that's what the first real version of, of my data website looked like. Um, and I laugh at that. And again, like I said, I hope I laugh at other things in the future. I'll pause here. If anybody wants to kind of comment, question, concern, uh, feel free to bop up here. This is something that obviously I mean, it is my job, um, and now now my wife's job because we're a, we're a two person team at the moment. So I've I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. Um, there are things you know, like like I'll give you a great example. If you wanted to start being a content creator today, and you didn't particularly care about what sport you are covering, or maybe you have a passionate about, like I would I would get into combat sports. Sports to me, MMA, you can throw boxing in there. Um, they're already embracing. Uh, Dana White and the UFC are, I think they're going every single week now instead of like every three weeks with, like, they, like they used to do. There is probably a lack of, of data and information out there. Um, and they have a deal, a great deal, I think, with ESPN+. Plus. So uh, all of the ingredients uh, for combat sports are there. It's very, very niche. You can find uh, probably a thousand rabid fans to pay you. And really that's all you need, like a, th- like a thousand. We live in the internet, getting a thousand people to pay you for something um, of value is, it's possible. You, you can do it and that, and that can turn up and end up being a full-time, uh, a full-time job. So combat sports, would be really, really good. Um, there is actually, he was on the early edge. I think he was um, with CBS. Ian Parker, who was covering MMA, went from like brand new on CBS to like, freaking full time with ESPN in like a year. Like that, that's kind of how crazy that industry and also the golf industry is. If you guys saw the news, like, PGA tour lives now four streams, right? Like there's, there's going to be more content. They're not going to make less content. They're going to need more people talking about it. Um, do you think that ESPN is going to support what, uh, what they're doing in PGA tour live outside of just during the tournament? Absolutely. They will. Um, so there's really kind of a massive opportunity for all content creators at the moment. Um, Scott, I'm going to bring you up. Give it a second to let it connect, and then, uh, yeah, unmute yourself. You're ready to rock and roll. Hey, what's up, Rick? Hey, Scott. Uh, thank you so much for doing all this. You're such a, I mean, great leader by example in this whole industry. Um, I appreciate that. I had a question about 
how you approach um, hosting versus being a guest on a show and kind of what you do leading up to it and uh, just your overall takes on that. Yeah. <laughs> Good question, Scott. So um, I do a lot of hosting and I've actually tried to even at, so, so for me, I think I'd prefer to be a host because even as a host, I can not only keep the time, not only keep the conversation mm. on track, but like I can kind of, I can butt in and provide my analysis along the way as well. Uh, yeah. When you're kind of, when you're kind of just the guest, Scott, it's, you know, Listen, it's 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 not a one way street because if you have someone really good, um, it's just it's just a conversation and both sides are kind of playing the same role. So I, I think I just prefer, in the same light of what I mentioned before, where I kind of like to work by myself. Like I think right. I have a control. I think I have a control problem. <laughs> so I think I just like to be the host, uh, yeah. also slash analyst, and then I get to kind of make the rules and see how we're going. So it, gotcha. might just be a, it might be a personal decision. I don't know if it's actually like for business better or worse for, for one or the other. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, it's great. And I mean, I always, always love hearing you as a, as a guest. I remember the Andy Lack episode I really enjoyed. Um, and it's just cool. Cool hearing everyone's approaches. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate it. And Andy is, um, Andy's great, which is, you know, he's someone that I, I certainly respect. He um, also decided to kind of go full time into golf here recently, which I know can be absolutely terrifying and scary business, but he's seemingly doing great. So yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of, of Andy's as well. Um, We're about at the 30 minute mark. I have no idea how long this is going to go. There are probably lots of intricacies that, that I could, um, man, that I could, that I could really get into with things that I've done well and things that I, I feel like I, like I haven't, I know that, um, for most of you creating content, uh, seems far fetched, which I don't, I don't particularly think that it is again, barrier of entry, make sure your background looks nice, right? Like literally two, two easy steps to make your content look good Buy the Logitech Brio 4k camera and um don't be up against the wall like you're a host like you're a hostage somewhere right if 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 you don't have a big room that's fine um if you can find ways to add depth or anything uh that makes it look like you are in a normal room uh that is probably ideal and and if you do those things if you get a 4k camera get a, a ring light right get the lighting correct have a little bit of a background you are uh, head and shoulders above everyone else already. And you can do that on day one. And then if you do that and you do it every day for 30 days, you are already head and shoulders above another set of people uh, and you're on your way. And success might just be, like, I don't know what success is for most people. Success might just be having something on the side that makes you an extra thousand bucks a month or 500 bucks a month or something like that, or having something on the side that's just an outlet and makes you nothing. And that's okay too. And one of the other big questions that I often get is, um, Hey, do you know of any positions that are available? I get that question weekly. And the short answer is generally no, uh, especially for golf, because we are so much in the infancy stage that these positions don't really exist, right? Like someone to be a fantasy expert at a media network. Eh, 
doesn't really exist, at least not full time. So good and bad because uh, people like us are going to create those positions and those positions are going to be created around us and, and what, we, what we want and um, the way that we think it should work. So we're going to have a lot of say in the way that these positions are created, but positions, it's not just like, hey, the last guy left and now we have an open position that we need to fill. That doesn't really exist. So kind of building your own brand, right? Like what's the Rick Rungood brand? If the Rick Rungood brand is at CBS, great. If Rick Rungood goes and just wants to do his own thing, like that's the brand, right? I'm uh, I'm not necessarily tied to anything or anyone. I would hope that um, uh, you know my supporters and followers would would kind of go with me wherever. So building that brand uh, and remaining flexible, I think, is is pretty important. All right, here's what I'll do. I'll um. I'll wrap this here shortly. If anybody has any final thoughts, questions, concerns, I'm happy to keep going, but I don't want to talk into the void for like the next, you know, however long. So I'll give it like another minute here. If anybody wants to come up, chit chat with me, give me a break. Here we go. I'm going to get, I'm going to get a lifeline here. Uh, NorCal preps. I'm adding you as a speaker and I thank you for throwing me a lifeline. Unmute yourself and you're ready to rock. Hi, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um... Yeah, of course. Thanks for listening. Uh, yeah, I just had a kind of a question of when you're trying out different content content formats, do you kind of have a time frame that you go that you want to say, I want to do it for two or three months? And if it's not working, like when, when do you kind of cut bait and say, like, this idea just doesn't work um, as well as some of my other ideas and move on to something that may be more successful? Yeah, really good question. I would rather um, I would rather not put a time frame on it, but I would rather put like a why isn't this working question on it right so if you go for like i i think i said it earlier like there was definitely a three-month period or more when i started that i know no one was listening and if i was like oh man um i should give up because this isn't working after three months like that probably wouldn't have been a great idea so like why isn't it working right is it is it because not enough people are stumbling into it um why aren't enough people stumbling into it is it because you're not available in places that are easy to find youtube uh are you not building a brand on Twitter and interacting with others, which is, which is really honestly, when you're trying to go from like zero Twitter followers to like a thousand, just like interacting with people, asking questions, um, sharing things, sharing valuable information. I know it's hard to go from like zero to 1000 and then it gets a lot easier. Like that's, that's something that I would look into. Like, why is it not working as opposed to here is a time frame that I really want to be successful in because I'm not sure how, how realistic that actually is going to be. Oh, we are being graced right now by the presence of uh, not only the jeweler, not only producer Jacob, but Jacob himself from Twitter. Jacob. Hey buddy. What's up, Rick? Uh, I just, I just came on, you know, obviously the first cut pod. We're going live this afternoon at 5 PM and taping (laughs) trivia. This is a plug. plug? This is guerrilla marketing. (laughs) Guerrilla marketing. You're learning Uh, something right now. Guerrilla marketing and a perfect example of it. (laughs) Well, exactly. I mean, you talk about sort of Twitter presence and uh, I, it's, it can be a bit annoying. Sometimes you'll see the, the hijacking strategy, but it's definitely a thing where interacting with other accounts that are also in the space. And I say interacting and not spamming because there's definitely a difference is something that's like huge uh, for, for someone who has recently been going through the process of trying to find, you know, new handicappers for stuff like the early edge. You know, I, we definitely look to Twitter 
and and Instagram as spaces for where we discover people. You you were talking earlier about you know job openings in the space, and yes, there's not there's not going to be a, a job posting on LinkedIn for first cut <laughs> podcast host. Uh, it's going to be something where we we find someone we like and then we bring them on because it's almost all these positions aren't full time jobs. They're they're part time contractor work. Uh, whenever you get to sort of the high corporate national level, that's going to be something where you're like, okay, I'm going to seek a person out to have them on the show as opposed to, uh, you know, something where we're going to have people apply for it. It's just sort of the, just sort of the nature of the business. So, you know, if I was giving advice to people who are looking to get into the content game, I mean, that's definitely a big thing is work on that social presence. Don't be, don't be a psycho, uh, but (laughs) but be active. You okay, gotta, you got to blend the line. So, so, and and you're you're like you should have been the co-host on this because you're a perfect example, especially like building these. I mean, the brands from essentially scratch. Some of these brands and YouTube channels and Twitter followings over the course of the last two years. So you're saying you're going to social to look for these types of people, but what are you looking for? Like, what are some attributes that would catch you, Jacob's eye, and say, oh, this might be someone that we might want to bring on as an, an analyst or a voice. Uh, I think I always like someone who's unique and has a fun perspective on Twitter. Like, are you humorous, but are you also providing me information is like something that I love. Cause ultimately that's how we see Twitter from sort of the, the sports line early edge front, particularly is like, we've really been using that as a front to be with our fans, even whenever we're not online, you know, we maybe do, an hour and a half, two hours of content a day with our live streams. But like, this is where we're interacting with our fans at 1 a.m. after, you know, we're digesting Sunday night football. Uh, So for me, that's just like something huge is to just be like, you know, what are, what value are you providing to me 24 seven? Which I mean, you know, obviously we don't, we don't love being on the clock 24 seven, but Sometimes it's just a, a reality of the game. You know, you're, you're going to stand out the most, you know, if you're still providing content at an hour where other people are sleeping. And I'll, I'll, I'll let you get back to work. But real quick, I mean, the, the, like the personality thing is so interesting, right? Because like when we, when we go off the rails on like first cut and talk about things that are not golf related, like people love that. People love the community. Like, and, it, and, and I think different personalities can get there, right? Like Larry, the maestro, and I'll tell him this to his face. Like, I don't think Larry's like, yeah, I'm like the, uh, like, the, like he's not playing like the cool guy, right? He's like the data guy and he's got, but he still has such a great following. People know what to expect from him. And he's part of this great machine uh, that you guys have built over there. Like there's a lot of different ways to get there without being like the coach, right? Exactly. Yeah. The, the show would be absolutely unbearable if we had six people trying to pretend to be the coach. Um, <laughs> it, would, it, would, it would go nowhere. No one would want to listen to it. And y- you're right. Everyone loves the unique voices. So whenever you're building out a, a cast of characters, don't, as, as corny as it sounds, don't try to be anyone else but yourself and really, really hone what yourself and what your voice is. Uh, like we have another guy, Alan Bell, you know, he's excellent on the show at just sort of being, you know, like he's our, he's our Tennessee guy, you know, he's, he's got the accent. He'll talk about <laughs> college football. 
you know, he's, you know, we, you know, jokingly almost, I mean, he's obviously a very smart dude and he's got, you know, a excellent Twitter presence. He's grown his own personal following on Twitter more than uh, anyone I know from basically scratch. And, you know, we still sort of make fun of him as like, you know, here's, here's the country bumpkin, you know, coaches, <laughs> you know, he's kind of the meathead, you know, the, there's roles and it's a big part of it is what is the role that you're going to create for yourself? I love it. I love it. All right, buddy. I'll let you get, I'll let you get back to it. We got to, we got to work in a couple hours. I'll see you then. Yeah. I'm literally counting up all of our numbers from last month. So I hope they're, hope, hope it takes you a while to count them. <laughs> it does. <laughs> all right, buddy. I'll see you soon. Uh, all right. We'll bring up uh, the model maniac back at it again. Hit me. I hope, I hope Jake, it hasn't gone too far because for a guy that does a lot of work behind the scenes, I was curious as to, to what exactly the benefit of having a producer is and at what point you decide you, you need one. Wow. Okay. So uh, I don't know if Jacob wants to come back up here, but I will, <laughs> tell you from, I will tell you from my experience. So, so Jacob, let me, let me take a crack at this and then, and then we'll see what, what you've got. But um, Jacob makes my life uh, so easy. And Really, I can just record, I can just be there, and everything else uh, he takes care of. He, he edits it, he promotes it, he's, he's getting it online, he's making sure it sounds good. I mean, he's literally doing everything. And um, the biggest difference for me was when I was doing my own personal stuff and didn't have a producer, and when I had Jacob, it's, it's night and day which is one of the, a huge one of the reasons why my wife who left her job as an optometrist to join, like now she's my, like, like the Rick run good producer. So she can do all that. So like, it's so valuable, Jacob, if you want to come on, I'm sure there's a million things that no one ever notices or understands of, of what you're adding to the brand building and, and all that. Yeah. Uh, I'd say a lot of the value of, of what, I do is like just trying to to think about the little details in the future, uh, which sometimes it works. Sometimes, you know, we get to, we get to a Sunday and I'm just like, Oh, wait a minute. Now we got to, now we got to program for the next week whenever there's not actually a golf tournament. Uh, but I mean, really as a, as a producer, I think, you know, the biggest value added is like Rick was talking about, just take care of details that your host doesn't have to think about. I earlier today, you know, had to host an episode of the early edge. And I was thinking about twice as many things as I usually do if I'm just producing it, because I'm now, you know, not only throwing in the normal information, you know, thinking about the thumbnails, thinking about, you know, what the copy and the YouTube video is going to say, but I'm also thinking about like, well, man, what am I going to, what am I going to say to the actual talent whenever we get up into the episode? Uh, so, I mean, you, it's just trying to take a little bit off the plate of whoever your talent is as far as, you know, figuring out when's the right time to hire one, uh, I mean, I can't really speak for that. I work very much on the, the corporate CBS Sports Digital side. Um, so that, that role was sort of filled for me where I was like, once I had the job there, um, it was just like, okay, well, now let's build up our golf podcast. And then back in December of last year, we're coming up on the one year anniversary of the early edge, you know, and it's like, okay, well, we have this property sports line. You know, let's build a podcast for them. But even now, it's really not a podcast. We brand ourselves more of a, a show because our YouTube following is probably twice as big as our actual podcast following. Um, so it's, you know, thinking about strategy in the future for 
how you're going to adapt and evolve and maybe being a bit more of an eye on, like Rick was talking about, looking at what you're building and seeing what's working versus what's not working. Because uh, that's that's just such a huge part of it is paying attention to like, you know, did this group of people on the show work well together? You know, do we need to slot out this person for this person? Uh, does this format particularly work? I mean, we talked about early edge a year ago. Now our YouTube videos were averaging maybe 7,000 views for just a daily morning show about college basketball. Uh, when a year ago at this time, it was 123 on our first episode is what I saw. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, we, we're talking about like, you know, obviously you'd love to have 7,000 views on the first episode you ever publish, but you know, that That's... early time is a great time to experiment and that, really that... work out what works. That show, Jacob, so early edge, this is a really good, I think this is a really good thing because that, okay, a year old and it is, to me, it is perfect consumable content. It's every morning at the same time, right? Everyone knows when they're going to get it. It's going to show up in their fees. Now you guys have added more stuff after that, like afternoon shows or live shows and all that. But like, I know I can get it every day. I know that it's going to be what, 15 minutes or less. I'm going to be able to consume it. I know it's going to get right to the point. Like even if the content wasn't great and the content is great, like the format alone is different. It's consumable. It's like, it, it really is a, a, a very strong show and, and, and idea that you guys have over there. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of, we've had this conversation sort of offline before is like applying what are the lessons learned from that to, to our shows like first cut. You know, and I and I think, you know, a lot of that is making it even more consumable. That's why people love those round recap episodes that yes. we did during yeah. sort of the height of the season, which that I mean, I couldn't really yep. even be in there as much because I was doing a lot of this early edge content, which, uh, you know, dividing up my time. But, you know, we're definitely going to bring back those round by round recaps. We've we've gotten the tweets. We've seen the comments. We've seen people <laughs> saying that they they've lost money on their showdown bets because we weren't there to tell them. Friday afternoon, you know, uh, what to look out for on Saturday. So, yeah, I mean, like you say, make it consumable. Um, so many, so many pick shows that we were looking at were 50 plus minutes to give yeah. out maybe six picks that, you know, you really liked and you could feel actionable on. And why, why do that in 50 whenever you could do it in 12 minutes is yeah. sort of, where the genesis of early edge came from. Yeah. Very, very consumable. I appreciate it, Jacob. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Jacob. That's, that's awesome. Cool. Uh, model maniac. Should I, should I boot, boot, boot you or you got anything else? <laughs> no, dude, I've, I've asked all the questions I can today. So thanks. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. All right. All good. Thanks right. so much. Bye. We'll probably, uh, We'll probably rock it there. I've got a I've got a commitment here in about 13 minutes. We've gone for 47. That feels that feels very good. But listen, if there is um, anything specific, if this was at least at all interesting or uh, or valuable, hit me up. We can continue to do these. Let me know you enjoyed it, or if there are obviously topics that we want to go more in depth on. Uh, happy to do that as well. This is day three of four for consecutive Twitter spaces. So what we've got, Joe Idoni, who joined uh, to ask a question earlier. We are rocking again tomorrow night, that is Tuesday, at, let me see, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Joe and I are going to rock it. There will be a Twitter space room created soon. Um, 
and otherwise. So-